Welcome once again to Straight Talk, your intermittent podcast of political thought. I'm your host, Scott Wyant, and this time I've got an interview with Maureen Skinner. She's running for state senate in District 35. When I did this interview, I wasn't aware of who the incumbent was she was running against. But during the course of the interview, uh, I discovered that it was Jason Raper. And if anybody knows anything about Arkansas state politics, they've heard the name Jason Raper. So I'm hoping with this podcast, Maureen gets a little bit of attention and gets her voice out there and can generate enough support where she can defeat Jason Raper, get him out of Little Rock. He has higher ambitions for office than state senate, so let's give him the time he needs to run a, a new campaign. All right, now here's my interview with Maureen Skinner. Hey, Maureen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Scott, I'm doing well, thank you. What made you decide to run for office? Well, and it's interesting because I I never considered it before. But in 2016, we had the you know the the federal election and. I, I was really pretty horrified. Um, I felt like the, the policies put forth by the, the president-elect um, were very much pushing us in a backward direction. And so I think like a lot of people, I, you know, I posted angrily to Facebook and tried to pick a country to move to and, and just was really scared um, for my daughter and for our future. And then uh, locally in District 35, we have a senator who, who supports the policies of on a federal level and and i just somebody said we need you know somebody needs to run against him and i said i'll do it and and then i thought oh my gosh i i said that out loud um (laughs) you know and i'm a learn as you go sort of person i've i've never tried something that i haven't accomplished and so this is this is one of those things i am absolutely learning how to do this well everybody's got to start somewhere and i i for one salute you for what you're attempting to do here who is the the incumbent exactly um, his name is Jason Rapert. Oh, he, that uh, that guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, enough said there. <laughs> and that is literally everyone's response. Like, oh, okay, yes, you have my vote is, is what people say. Oh. And then, or they say, bless your heart, and they hug me, and they say, thank God, or some other incredibly positive feedback about running. He's very famously, you know, chased down things that aren't important to anyone seemingly except him um, while not addressing the poverty in the area while not addressing the the food insecurity of the kids that are going to school but we you know he's fought tooth and nail to have a monument put at the state capitol yeah yeah let's let's discuss that for a second what are your opinions on the the ten commandments on state house i'm a fan of the ten commandments i think that they are worthwhile um aspirational ethics for most people as a, a a person who sees people from every walk of life. Like I, I recently have a new client whose religion is Muslim. Either we all need to be represented there or nobody needs to be represented there. If, if it's we the people, then it, it needs to be all of us. I don't know who's more right. So why does why do we get to decide that one is more right than the other? You know, that the whole concept of the separation of church and state is, is super important because it if we are pushing one religion, one ideology over the others, then that, that means that we are not including the others and that they don't have the same rights and opportunities. And that's not America as far as I know. What's your day job, Maureen? I'm actually a therapist by trade. I'm a, a licensed psychological examiner, um, which means that I'm a professional listener. I mean, like that, that's literally what I do. I'm a professional listener and a professional problem solver. And it, I feel like that might be kind of handy. Just being able to listen is is a 
is a skill that is sorely lacking a lot of times in, in the state legislature. It appears to me because well, there, there. I, I agree that's been going on for a while now. Is is just say whatever you want and go after whatever you want and and damn the torpedoes. Do you think that uh, that the way every politician has to finance their campaign has anything to do with that? <laughs> I would bet money. Haha, pun intended. Yes. Um, the I'm doing a grassroots campaign as are um, almost all of the women that I've encountered on, on this journey, which, by the way, is, like, super incredible, and I cannot recommend it enough. But it, I, they have big money donors, you know, and that's one of the things that I like about the um, campaign finance and expenditure reports is that you can go and look and see who is financing the campaigns. And it's the tobacco pack and the insurance pack and the NRA pack and the, you know, this, that, and the other pack. And it's just... People, you know, I, I feel like we should wear patches like NASCAR for where our funding came from. And maybe maybe people would get a, a better idea of, of who the the current legislature is beholden to, because it certainly does not feel like they're beholden to the people of the district that voted them into office. Indeed, it doesn't. And just the, the campaign finance reform is something that I'm, you know... I will work on once I get in there. I think that it should, we should level the playing field. It should be demystified. It should not be expensive. There should be limits on the amount of money spent on a campaign. I mean, this is Arkansas. We are a small state, um, and the amount of money spent on campaigns, you know, in $300,000 here or a million dollars there or two, you know, for ads and, and, pieces of thing cardboard that come with somebody's picture and and real living color that is immediately recycled this is a waste of money we could be doing so much more again we could be funding the the welding program we could be feeding kids breakfast in the morning we could be providing vocational you know opportunities we could be creating you know i don't know there's all sorts of things that we could do with that money instead of television ads and and paper recycling trash is it going to be uh, an uphill struggle? I, you know what? Um, I get asked regularly, you know, how's the campaign going? And, and given that I have nothing to compare it to, it's great. You know, it's, I'm meeting all sorts of incredible people. Um, as far as the logistics of a campaign, you know, what the nuts and bolts of it, the, earn, the amount of earned press just because of who the incumbent is puts me at a distinct advantage as far as campaigning goes. You know, I, I don't have to hardly do anything. What somebody said, you know, holy cow, I would vote for a stick of firewood before I'd vote for him. <laughs> and so I just have to be slightly smarter and more charming than a stick of firewood. <laughs> well, so far you sound immensely more charming than a stick of firewood. <laughs> Yay! What are some of the issues around, around that district? Because our, our incumbent was not really listening to the people, he's sort of famous for blocking people on social media and not addressing the issues that are the concern of the people. I, I literally asked everyone that I came in contact, what, did, what are you worried about? What concerns you? What, what do you think our senators should be working on? And um, it's health care. It's jobs and economy. It's, you know, civil rights. We have one in four children in Arkansas is hungry and every other senior that you meet is hungry. Now there's something wrong with that. Indeed there is. There are several colleges there, right? Yes, we are the city of colleges. Your phone broke yep. up at the beginning there. Go ahead. Oh, okay. We have about 15,000 college students um, 
in Conway. We have the UCA, which has about 11,000, um, Hendrix, which has a couple thousand, and, and then uh, Central Baptist College also has a, a couple thousand college students that come to Conway. So education is an important aspect of the economy around there, not just education itself, but it, it's a big driver. But the jobs that, that people have at the colleges, the you know, maintaining the campuses, all of those sorts of things. Yes, they're a, they're a large part of the economy. What are the school systems like and other components of the education there? Are there problems? I think generally, you know, the colleges, Hendricks is a private college. Um, they put a lot of revenue into the area, as does UCA. And I'm a huge, huge fan of, of education and higher learning. I, in, you know, I'm an eternal student. I hope to be learning something all the time. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be your traditional brick and mortar um, or college degree. There's, we have a, I think we're missing the opportunity to provide vocational training for people who maybe don't want to go to college or it isn't a good fit for them. And, and you know, blue collar workers, you know, we, that's the backbone of the United States and, and nobody seems to be addressing that. You know, a college degree, I, the lady that waits on you at McDonald's might have one. We don't have a lot of career-type options in District 35 that's either white-collar or service industry. There's not a lot of that middle-of-the-road stuff. Um, I did Conway High School has a the Conway Career Center, and they have students that come from all over the county to come and learn a trade. And they have welding and, uh, like, beautician-type stuff and accounting and restaurant-type stuff. And I got to see their welding program and even got to weld a little, which was really very cool. And these are kids, you know, 17-year-olds that already have their, you know, a job waiting for them as soon as they graduate. Um, they get to go get paid for training and, and go make an incredibly good living wage doing something that they learned how to do in high school. We need more of that. We need to be enhancing our skilled trade. Otherwise, companies aren't going to come to Conway. They're not going to want to come build here if we are seen to the world as bigoted and racist. We're not going to want to come here if there's no skilled trade labor already in place. You know, just we're creating a vacuum. Yeah, indeed. Seems like one of the biggest fights in the state, at least since Asa Hutchinson got elected, is keeping Arkansas's version of Medicaid. I believe it was called the public option. Yes, the, the Medicaid expansion and all of that. Right. And that, you know, in my job, there are people who have benefited from that for the first time ever had access to mental health services. You know, I've seen huge benefit from that and, and taking that away uh, is going to harm Arkansas. Yes, indeed. Seems to me like there should be should have been parity from the beginning on with mental health care. And of course, we also got dental care. And so what are your plans to push back against any attempts to cut back on health care, Medicaid? You know, because everything is so divisive right now, and there's so much us versus them and and GOP versus the Democrats and it. And I think everybody seems to have forgotten that it's, it's all we, it's we, the people, all of us are affected by this. I think the lawmakers do sort of live in their own bubble where they don't even know what it's like to live one catastrophic event away from being homeless or one illness away from being able to not afford food or your house or your car payment or things like that. And so one person, there isn't anything that just one person can do, I don't think, except hopefully start the conversation and keep it going instead of creating this fighting that happens all the time. 
I met a man recently who asked, you know, so you're running for Senate and, and you know, are you a liberal? And I said, well, you know, uh, actually, I'm, I'm quite proud of that. I'm an idealist. You know, I, I really do believe in the good of people and that, that we can do better than this. And he said, well, I just don't think that, you know, all these people getting handouts, they need to get to work. And I said, well, you know, there are plenty of people that, that do take advantage of the system. Generally, most of them do not. But I, I, I'm choosing to overlook those that maybe are because they might have children and four-year-olds don't get to decide. Four-year-olds can't go to work. Four-year-olds don't have a say. And I don't think they should have to be hungry. The part that scared me was that he said yes and then euthanize their parents. Oh, goodness. Kind of makes you wonder. I've lost sleep about this. I, I, I don't know what to say to somebody that so cavalierly wants to just. Yeah, there, that's something wrong with that person right there. But regardless, you know, should you win, he'll be one of your constituents. Yes. And hopefully we can build back a place of finding value in in everyone. That would be good. You would think, as as Christian as this area is, that there would be more Christian attitudes like that. That would like be that. the starting place, not the ending place. Yeah. Attitudes such as that gentleman espouses seems to go hand in hand with harassment and bullying, doesn't it? We get bullied by our current senator. I mean, that's he's they somebody called him the the bully of Bigelow because he he makes threats and does these sorts of things. So if if the leader of the free world is a known internet bully, how do we undo that? So it, for me as a therapist, it's about prevention. It starts way early on, um, talking about consent with your toddlers. Don't make your toddler hug weird aunt so-and-so because that means that your toddler doesn't know that they have bodily autonomy and they don't know that, that they get to decide whether or not someone touches them. And so then by the time they're 14 and they, the message that they've gotten is their body doesn't belong to them, you know, we create this over and over again. So what I, you know, prevention is worth a pound of cure. Everybody knows this. If we can continue this Me Too thing that has been happening, if we can continue this conversation and expound upon that, and instead of teaching women to not dress some way or another, which, as we know, has nothing to do with them being raped, and instead teach rapists that it's not okay to touch people. And I'm not even going to say men because it's men and women get raped and men and women rape. And it goes all the way back to we need to care about people. If people think that they matter, if, if people feel connected and, and have a sense of community, they're less likely to use drugs. They're less likely to abuse each other themselves, whatever, you know, but people don't feel connected. They don't feel like they matter. Could this be why so many people feel like the last year, year and a half have been so traumatic to them? Well, you know, trauma is uh, any deeply distressing or disturbing event. That's the definition of trauma. And it is safe to say that most of the people that you meet have been impacted by trauma, whether it was the election um, which is, you know, whether it's racism, whether it's misogyny, whether it's, you know, um, fear of losing your job, being homeless, fear of, you know, not being able to afford health insurance, fear of whatever. That that can all kind of constitute trauma for some people because everybody's response to it is different. Sounds like you would be well well served to be in the legislature. And, well, thank re- you. And remind everybody there in Little Rock what trauma is and how it how it can show its face. You know, because I study psychology, the people in groups are, are dangerous. 
generally. They that in group versus out group concept. Um, we don't like to to be the one that you know that sticks out. Um, it's the reason that the bystander effect happens, where that woman in New York was chased something 17 blocks while he being stabbed, and nobody called the police because everybody thinks, well, you know, I'm late for work, or somebody else will handle it, or that's really none of my business, or I shouldn't involve myself, et cetera, et cetera. And we have to move past the bystander effect. None of us are bystanders. We are literally all in this. The United States Supreme Court has made it legal for all couples to marry. Still in Arkansas, it's a little bit behind the times. A same-sex couple, when they're filing their taxes into the federal government, they're married. But when they file state taxes, it's like they're they're strangers. Can you see yourself supporting getting a situation like that more in line with the federal federal statute? Absolutely. Um, that is one of those equal rights items. My sister-in-law sent me a shirt that says, uh, equal rights for others doesn't mean less rights for you. It's not pie. And that, that really is what it boils down to. There, what does gay marriage have to do with anyone else's marriage? It doesn't. I, in fact, it was, that was the only political stunt I've pulled off thus far was that I got ordained and I'm legal to perform marriages all over the state of Arkansas. And I did it just in case somebody wanted to get married that I could, you know, heck yeah, I'd do that. I think that, that love is love. One of my heroes, Luke Kramer, he works for the Star Coalition at a Little Rock, and he's just amazing. And when there was that, I guess it was last year, and there was the window of opportunity where people could get married, he took both of his kids out of school and went down to the, uh, the Capitol and performed marriages on the steps of the Capitol with his kids so that they could see, you know, what activism looks like and what love looks like. And that I have no idea why anybody thinks they should get to dictate who gets married. It just boggles my mind among adults, you know, consenting adults was my favorite phrase about that was, uh, you know, of course gay people should get married. They, they should be allowed to be miserable like the rest of us. <laughs> How would you measure yourself as a success should you go to the Arkansas State Senate? I'm, I'm sorry, that's that's a weighty question. but No, that one's really good. I like that. How would I measure my tenure in the Senate as a success? It would be that I participated in the enactment of laws that benefited everyone. And I that's nice and vague and gray, but that's really, you know, I don't have something specific uh, at this point. But to make sure that, that I'm helping people move forward, helping Arkansas. This is the land of opportunity, right? That's one of the natural state. The land of opportunity is one of Arkansas's names. You know, to, to be able to participate in the enactment of laws that provide opportunity for everyone, no matter what their socioeconomic status, no matter what their background, no matter what their skin color, no matter what their religion, no matter what their gender identity or or sexual idea, any of that, just that we're all people and everyone is deserving of an opportunity. Maureen, what, what personal qualities will you bring to the Senate? Finding out what's important for the district and then using my, I can be passionate and tenacious and persistent and, and loud and, and fight for someone else. That's really probably what I'm best at. 
I'll take a hit for me, but I will, you know, absolutely keep walking for you, which I guess that's sort of weird, but that's, you know, that's just how I am. And so being able to be the champion, the tenacious person who is not sitting back down for the people who don't have a voice or, or can't have a voice. How has the experience of running for office been for you? You know, Gwen, she invited me to speak at the, the Women's March to the polls a couple weekends ago. Um, and I, so there was Gwen, and then there was Vivian Flowers, and Hayden Shamel, and Joyce Elliott, and then me. And these are all like fiery speakers that have, you know, they're amazing, powerful women, and then there's me. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of like following animals or children on stage where you just you just don't because there's no way you're going to have that kind of impact um so you know i'm just honored and inspired by these women and i hope that somebody else will see my race and and step in and, and feel inspired and 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 i have said over and over again if you're even kind of interested in running for office if you're just wanting to talk about it i will share any information that i have Everything that I have learned, I will share press, I will make introductions, I will tell you everything that I know so that you can run. Because we need to demystify this. We need to stop making it look like people can't do it. The original Constitution, you know, the government is supposed to be made up of people that have jobs and do things. It's not supposed to be made up of career politicians. And I'm not saying that it's bad that, you know, some of the politicians have been in office several times they also have regular jobs that they still do but there are a lot that they don't do a regular job anymore somehow they've managed to parlay a, a part-time senate gig into a full-time income i don't understand how that i mean i do understand how that works i don't agree with it how can people contact you how can people learn more about your campaign and more importantly how can people either donate or volunteer to help send you to little rock um, they can find me on Facebook um, at Maureen Skinner for Arkansas Senate. I'm on Twitter, uh, Maureen Arkansas Senate. Uh, I even have a Snapchat, which makes me feel old and crazy. There's a crowd pack that's uh, Maureen Skinner for Arkansas Senate that you can donate to, and there's an Act Blue Maureen Skinner for Arkansas Senate. Finding me on social media is probably the easiest. I'm very, very interested in, in meeting with the people in the district. Is there anything that, that you feel like we haven't covered or touched on? Make sure you're registered to vote. Make sure it's accurate. And then make sure you go vote in November, period. I don't care who you're voting for. Exercise your constitutional right to vote. Vote. Well, Maureen, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to talk with me and, and helping well, my thank little... Thank you for doing what you do. All right. There you have it. Maureen Skinner for State Senate, District 35. Remember that the primary is May the 22nd. Go out and vote and bring a friend. Every time I hear the people cry, don't you know that the man is gonna lie? I try to tell them that they have a choice.